Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this week I'm joined by my friend James Fott with Wild Story Productions. James is an awesome photographer and videographer, and this week he joins me to talk a little bit about his business and a little bit about real estate. So, without further ado, let's hop into the podcast. This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. All right, before we dive straight into the podcast, I want to mention a couple quick things. First, if you're not yet on the Filming with Josh Facebook group, I want to encourage you to do so. The Filming with Josh Facebook group is a place to come and learn more about photography, videography, and the business that goes with it. Come join and be a part of friends and family that want to learn more about photography and all videography and all these different things. It's a great place to just grow relationships and learn a lot more about how to hone your craft. The next thing I want to mention is that I'm still, um, now that I'm back in Texas, I've still got some open spots for some private film lessons. So if you're wanting to learn more about your camera or more about uh, editing software or color grading or what equipment to get, uh, send me a PM uh, at Josh Joshua Milligan on Facebook or uh, at rustic underscore river underscore river on Instagram and let me know and we'll set up some private lessons. Uh, I book by the hour and I'd love to, to, to hop online and have a FaceTime with you so we can talk about whatever it is that you're struggling with so I can help you figure out what steps to take to get better at that certain thing. Now, let's dive straight into the podcast. James, are you there? I'm there. James, welcome to the Filming Josh podcast. I really appreciate you joining me, man. Yeah, man, it's my pleasure. We've been chatting for a few years now and uh, been saying we're going to get together to do something that never happens, but hopefully we can all get together this summer <laughs> sometime and try to share some ideas and get to know each other a little bit better. I hope so, man, because it seems like I'm the only guy from Texas. Everybody else is up from, you know, where you're from, which is Missouri, right? Yeah, Southeast Missouri. And, Southeast Missouri, beautiful area, by the way. I love it up there. But everybody's up from there or Oklahoma or Iowa or Illinois. I just have, <laughs> I like the only guy from Texas. I need some, some of y'all to come move down here and come work with me down here. So I'm not the, the solo guy. Well, you know, I say the same thing all the time. I feel like, you know, especially in the hunting industry, when I worked in the hunting industry, uh, which was my kind of my primary start, I always said, you know, I wish there were more people like me here. And now that I've got into more, you know, commercial business things and real estate and things like that. Now I'm really struggling to find anybody that I have common ground with that, you know, that I could bring on board and have help, you know, and I've got a couple guys now that that's great. But I say all the time, uh, you know, to, to friends like you that I, I wish I had somebody like you pick up your stuff and move to Southeast Missouri and let's crush <laughs> it. Because we, you know, we could, if I could, if I could ever assemble a good team here, you know, we could really do a lot of great things, I think. Oh man, I, I 100% agree. Imagine if we could have like three of us together in one area, just what we could do, man. Oh, it would be unbelievable. It, it truly would be. Well, why don't, you, why don't you tell people a little bit more about what you do and maybe even how you kind of got into it? Yeah, so it, my, my story is quite complex, much like everybody else's story, which is why I come up with the, the name Wild Story Productions for my company. But I started out... Um, probably 12 to 13 years ago, met a guy that had done some TV stuff in the outdoor industry on a small scale. And I'd always been kind of fascinated by filming a hunt and went out and just started recording turkey hunts that year after we met. 
And that quickly turned into not just recording hunts, but falling in love with the camera operation and getting shots that were more, you know, inviting and more cinematic and more of telling a story and, and not just recording a hunt. And so you fast forward that, you know, several years later, um, I actually went to nursing school for a couple of years, um, graduated that, worked as a nurse for five years and um, just, you know, never really got away from the camera stuff and started pursuing it again once I got settled into a nursing career. And that blossomed into what it is now. I'm full time doing video production, do a lot of real estate stuff, still doing some stuff in the hunting industry, um, doing you know small business commercials, promo videos, and graphics, and you know shorts, and helping with different things, and you know partnering with other people on projects, things like that, which is pretty rare. But we do that from time to time as well in this area. So you know a lot of we do a lot of pro bono work and things like that too when we can, you know, to good causes. So, you know, it, it pretty much just skyrocketed into what it is now over the past probably two years, three years, um, you know, to, to the point to where real estate has really taken a good main, you know, hold in the business and has almost generated its own business inside of, you know, Wild Sword Productions to where we're, you know, we're staying really busy doing real estate, you know, all the while trying to carry the video production side of things and doing commercials for local businesses and things like that. So. Um, that's kind of a nutshell version of, you know, how we came from where we were to where we are now. Man, that's awesome. And so are you, are you mainly self-taught? I am. Um, I've actually uh, never, never went to film school, never had any story writing classes, none of that. I just, you know, back in the hunting days, um, which I still do, like I said, but back in the early days, I would just watch hunting television and I would watch things like, you know, some of, some of Jim Shockey's early stuff or Heartland Bowhunter's early stuff and started learning, you know, a, a little bit about, you know, I guess posing the question of how do they get that shot and then trying to figure that out and recreate those things and learning more about cinematic storytelling and getting the right angles and, and manipulating light, um, which is something, you know, I think we'll never stop learning and how to manipulate light and learning how to use that and leverage that to tell a story. And it, you know, it's, it's just been, it's been a, a fast track, but it's also been a crazy ride at the same time. You know, I, I today, for example, you know, got up, start, sh start shooting video on a real estate shoot, got done with that, went to the office, took care of a couple things, left the office and went and did real estate photos and 3D tours on a, on a monster duplex, and then drove back from that and get to, back to my hometown and shoot a couple of scenes for a movie with my drone that, uh, um, local guy is actually working on. He moved out to LA and started doing independent film work. And now he's came back to kind of tell an autobiography of his life um, as he grew up. So, you know, we were getting some, basically some establishing shots of different places around town with the drone. Uh, you know, so just today in a nutshell, we'll kind of give you an idea of what it's normally like. And here it's what time, 930 at night, and we're doing a podcast that we've been talking about doing for a couple months. So it's, <laughs> it's wide open. Jeez, man, I don't even know where to start on all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your your story is kind of like mine in some ways, but different in others. Um, I definitely was kind of like you. I, I was watching Jim Shockey and Heartland back in their early days and really was trying to figure out how they got certain shots and certain things, but I couldn't afford half of the equipment they were using, so I was out building my own sliders and things like that. But, I mean, man, sometimes I, I miss those days when you're – uh, kind of learning how to do the things that we're doing today because I don't know it just seemed to like it was a lot of fun you know what I mean 
Yeah, yeah. You know, one thing that I tell people all the time that I do personally is I'll, I'll flip back through my Vimeo account or my YouTube account or my old YouTube account or just look back through hard drives from five, six, seven, eight years ago, just, you know, running across, just trying to find, you know, maybe a stock shot that I might have that I could use for something, things like that. And I look through it and I'm like blown away on how far I've been able to come with no formal instruction. You know, I've learned a lot from people like, you know, for people like you, Danny Dodge, I've been watching for a long time. Jake Latondris, I've watched for years. Um, you know, Zinc's crude. You know, we've done some, we've done actually, I've done quite a bit with Avian X. I've learned a lot from those guys over the past couple of years. And, you know, several other people I've worked with, Gundog TV, I, I've learned a lot from those guys. They have a, a show that's kind of, you know, not cinematic in a way like what a lot of the other shows are, but they've been in outdoor television production for you know 25 plus years. So I've learned a lot about broadcast production from them and, and how to shoot things for TV and just pick up little nuggets all along the way. So this kind of goes back to answer that original question a little bit more in depth, but you know, it just picking up those things. I'm always networking with people and always trying to learn from other people. And you know, when people, you know, um, especially now, you know, Corey uh, Faulkner, I've been watching his stuff for the past little while and we've chatted several times and just watching just, you know, how he composes different shots and how he tells different stories and the different camera movements and the different even dialogue, you know, the way the way they lay out their voiceovers and the way they, you know, kind of coach their, their talent or their actors to deliver dialogue. I've learned a lot about that. Worked on a couple of, uh, of independent film sets to where, you know, I've, I've been able to pick up nuggets of stuff from that. So it's, uh, you know, I just never stop keeping my eyes open to what's going on around me to learn more things. And, and that's been probably the most vital thing and what's, what's led me to the growth I've seen. 100%, man. I, uh, I, I don't think you could really know everything that there is to know in video production no. or photography for that matter. I mean, there's just so, there's so much. And technology is constantly changing. I mean, there's some, it would be impossible to know everything. I mean, people make full, think about it, people make full-time careers out of just certain aspects of it, like lighting. You, you, someone could have a full-time career working right. on a lighting crew. You could have a full-time career pulling focus or yeah. uh, run, doing sound cam. design. Yeah. Doing a steady cam. absolutely. I mean, there's just so, so much that goes into it. It's crazy to think about what we can even do today on our own, um, really. But it's just, I don't know. It's it's really a great way to, to learn is to do what you're doing, which is to follow other people like that, to team up with people. Corey's great. He's a good friend of mine. And you're right, man. He he does a really good job with his, his uh, especially his corporate work. All of his work oh, yeah. really does a really yeah, good job. Yeah, I really like his, his corporate stuff. That, that, and he that's what I was referred to. Yeah, it's great stuff. Very good. Yeah, I've, I've worked with him on a few of his corporate projects on some script writing stuff. And He's a lot of fun to work with. I really like Corey. He's one of the good ones, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a cool thing. There's a lot of good ones in this industry, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, there I, is. I, I mean, we got you. We got Corey, Danny. I mean, I don't. I could go on and on and on. Um, but it's just really cool, and I love like being a part of such a really uh, unique industry and being able to meet people like that and make friendships with people like that, even if I am the only one in Texas. <laughs> right. Um, right. Well, that's why you travel. That's why I travel. You see other people. <laughs> well, you you mentioned uh, Avian X, don't you? You're a big waterfowl guy, aren't you? Uh, hang on. Uh, yes, I am actually. Uh, I've been waterfowl hunting for I think 16 years now, and kind of fell in love with it uh, all over a dog actually, and uh, <laughs> started 
started running hunt tests and things like that really before I even started duck hunting and, and got into that and got into duck calling and got pretty good at that, did some contests. I got a, a buddy that's local here with um, John Kep that makes addiction calls that is, is nationally known now, um, built his call business into something incredible. And, um, you know, so that springboarded me into getting a gig guiding and that gig guiding turned into another gig guiding, turned into filming at a club, turned into guiding at a club. And, you know, so really I've made a, 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 a pretty good chunk of my life has been devoted to waterfowl hunting, especially over the past about five or six years has been pretty heavy. I've, I've been to Canada as a, was a bucket list trip for me, you know, the first 10 years I duck hunted. And I've been to Canada, I think eight times or nine times now, Colorado several times, been, um, you know, all over the place, you know, in the Midwest chasing waterfowl and made some awesome trips all because of these connections that I've made through the waterfowl industry. And it's been very rewarding. Um, I'm, I'm getting to the point now where I'm gonna slow down on on guiding and try to just start traveling and hunting with friends and doing it for fun. Um, maybe doing some film gigs off and on with some different people that I trust in the industry that I know, um, you know, will put out a quality product and, you know, strive for putting out a quality product. The, like the other people I mentioned before, Gundog TV and Avian X and, you know, I've worked with several, several other shows, but those two I've worked with on Waterfowl for quite a few years and uh, have, have both been really great and instrumental in kind of helping me gain the confidence to to go out and charge what I charge to go shoot stuff, you know? And uh, all yeah. the while, you know, we get to travel and go see amazing places in the meantime. So it's, it's really a cool experience. Do you, how do you, okay, so I, I'm a big waterfowl hunter myself. I used to think waterfowl hunting was stupid. Um, when I, up until when I was in college, I was like, why in the world would people get up at three or two in the morning, maybe even earlier than that, to go shoot a stupid bird until I went. And I realized <laughs> the camaraderie that goes into it, how much fun it is, how much more work it is, but how rewarding it is. And now I'm absolutely obsessed with waterfowl hunting. It, yeah. it might, be my, might be like my absolute favorite thing to hunt for sure. But I've never, I filmed a little bit of waterfowl hunting back in the early days, but professionally, since I've been doing this full time, I don't think, I don't think in the last seven or eight years I've filmed any waterfowl stuff, but the people I know that have think it's really hard, say it's really hard. Do you find it pretty challenging? It is, it is. You know, the, <clears throat> I guided, <coughs> sorry, Josh, um, I guided at, um, or have, have been guiding at SEMO Outfitters for several years. It's a really, really, really good spot in Southeast Missouri and now Northeast Arkansas, um, a place that really puts up a lot of good numbers and good quality hunts, shooting ducks close. And I got started with that because I got invited to come down there and film. And the first trip I went down there to film was everything was froze, it was late December. You know, we were walking on the ice while we were filming, or you know, while we were hunting. And it got, we, we just killed so many ducks in a short amount of time that it, it forced me to, to get better at it. You know, it was, it was fast action. And so I learned how to chase ducks, chase focus on ducks. And as that progressed, I started shooting at um, smaller and smaller f-stops. So, you know, I've got a shallower and shallower depth of field. And then when you push a lens out, you know, now a, a lot of stuff I shoot might be on a 70 to 200 with a, you know, teleconverter or maybe a, um, 
you know, my 100 to 400 now, I do quite a bit with it. And so when you crunch that out to, you know, 400 mils, which would be, you know, equivalent 600 on a Super 35, it is a super tight depth of field. And, you know, you're shooting low as f-stops possible to get the sharpest image, but to try to chase those birds all the way back to you when you're trying to pan, tilt, and pull focus and zoom and all those things at the same time, it is literally one of the hardest things I've ever filmed. I've filmed tons of turkey hunts, filmed bear hunts, deer hunts, uh, lots of different things, but waterfowl has always been the thing that I've excelled at. And it's because of you know being down at that duck club and the first few years down there, I, I just went down there to film, that's it. I would just go down there and film you know, 20, 30 days out of the 60 day season. And I just, you know, I just got good at it through time. And it wasn't because I had extra talent or I was extra good or had any specific skills or equipment. I just learned how to track birds and find birds in my camera and then get them in focus and follow them all the way till they got shot. And it's, it's something that you, you know, there are guys that probably are pretty good at it that could just pick up a camera and go that don't have any experience in it. But I think that all the experience that I've had over the years and, and just doing it for fun and not getting paid to do it, just, I just enjoy it so much that I just force myself to get good at it. And, you know, now it's people call me all the time and they're like, you know, hey, what do I need to do this? What do I need to do that? And, you know, I could give them recommendations, but also in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, you probably really don't need to use that lens or you probably don't really need to use that kind of camera. You don't need to do this or that because it's that much more of a challenge. You've got more things to keep up with. And, and you know, if, if you're just starting out doing it, you need just a regular old camcorder and just practice tracking birds. That's, you know, that's step one. And then tracking birds, keep them in focus is step two. And then getting tighter and tighter and tighter. Um, you know, all the stuff we shot, shoot for Avian X, I ran the bird camera a lot of times and we run a FS 700 with the Odyssey and we run everything in high speed and so they could get those buttery smooth slow-mo shots. And it was always running, you know, maybe a 7200 at 2.8 with a speed booster, which had, you know, and a teleconverter, which makes the depth of field even that much shallower and learning how to chase those birds back to you was, you know, it was a whole different world. And, you know, we got a lot of practice at it because we, we got on a lot of good hunts and hunted a lot of uh, good states and, and had some good outfitters we hunted with. And that really forced me to learn a lot more about chasing birds and getting them sharp, you know, cause that's the name of the game. You want them sharp and pretty and colorful. And, you know, it's, there's, there's just a lot of factors that go into waterfowl filming for sure. Yeah. And I can imagine that it would probably make you better at filming other projects because you, you get such a feel for pulling focus. Right. Yeah. It's cause, cause it's constantly pulling focus and then you're right. It, it now I don't even have to think about it. Of course, now there's a lot of stuff I use autofocus on, not in waterfowl, but just general projects I shoot. Mm-hmm. The Sony's autofocus works so well that, you know, it's almost making it too easy for me. So I almost like going back to having to pull focus because I make it makes me feel like I'm involved again, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I totally agree with that. You get a lot of practice pulling focus on ducks because you that's that's a hundred percent of what you do the entire time is pull focus. So, you know, one of the things that kills me about Sony equipment, and I'm not trying to chase rabbits here, but um, what or waterfowl here, <laughs> but what a uh, one of the things that kills me is Sony's lenses are the fly by wire or focus by wire style, so they don't yeah. have 
mechanics when you focus. Like, so yep. if you turn, so if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not sure what that means, the on a, on a traditional lens, like a Canon uh, lens for their EOS cameras, they have gears in their focus ring. So when you turn the the focus ring, it focus the the distance. However um, much you turn your focus ring, it focuses the same amount every single time. Whereas Sony's is electronic, so it depends on how fast or how slow you turn the focus ring, um, not by how far. And so that really um, makes it a lot more challenging when trying to pull focus. And so when I switch from my Canon L glass to my Sony glass. I've had a really hard time, and I, I tell you, man, a, a year or two ago, back when I was shooting my Canon glass, I think I could have done a really great job shooting waterfowl just because I had such a good feel for my lenses. But I, I don't know how you do it with the Sony lenses today because I think that would make it such a pain for me. Yeah, it, it is extremely difficult, and that is the my biggest pet peeve about the way they're set up. Um, I've used some you know cinema lenses with you know direct... Focus. I'm not even really sure what you call that, but whatever you put into it, you get out of it. And with Sony, mm -hmm. I've learned, you know, and it, it actually is, it's been somewhat of a benefit because if you get out of focus, then I can flip that ring really fast. Um, I've right got back. a, I've got a, yeah, I've got to get, I've got a gear on mine for a follow focus, which I don't ever use, but I, you know, it's got a good grip on it. So I can just spin that, you know, just real quick, just flip it and it'll instantly jump to infinity or back to me. And right. so that, that, that does come in handy because I only have to move it just a, just a slightest little bit, maybe a sixteenth or a quarter turn, and it's it's there. Like it jumps that much. Where of you know straight focus lens, whatever you would call that, um, you know you have to run that out the distance it it calls for because it goes to a hard stop on both ends. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it, it is a, it is a disadvantage. <clears throat> yeah, but the flip side of that is, is then it's so, it's just really hard to get consistent tracking. Like if I had a deer walking at me, I could I could keep their face in focus the entire time because I knew how much to turn my lens, depending on how fast Dep the deer was walking. Right, because you get a good but feel for it, and with you with get a the, real good feel for it. With the Sony lenses, you just it, it's different every time. Every time you grab the focus, it's different because it's never in the same yeah. spot. So yeah, but I've learned I've learned to deal with it. Yeah, it yeah, has. Yeah, that's kind of where I am. I mean, it has a lot of other pros, like the autofocus is amazing and things like that, but it has definitely been a, a challenge. Well, you know, so we talked a little bit about your waterfowl stuff and some of your outdoor stuff, but let's get down to what why you're really here. I, I want to bring you on today to talk a lot about real estate because I know that that's a big strength of yours. You're killing it, man. Um, you and I both know that. <laughs> and you're it. you're really yeah, man, you are. You're killing the real estate market in your area and I I really admire that. I myself don't do a lot of real estate work. I've done a couple real estate photography projects. Um and I've I've done a small real estate video before, but most of my real estate work that I get is from big landowners or big estate owners who are selling multi-million dollar estates and they're the ones who hire me to do projects for them and they're multi-day projects. But they're not they're not your typical real estate video, whereas you, man, you, you're every time I talk to you, it's like you're doing three or four <laughs> real estate projects a day. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and you're just you're turning and burning these projects. And I it's awesome what you're doing. So I really want to talk about it. And I know a lot of people listening to this podcast have probably thought about different ways that they can use their cameras to bring in some extra cash, whether that's uh, wedding photography or portrait work or real estate videos or real estate photography. So I thought it'd be really great for this episode to talk a lot about 
what it is that you do. So I first want to ask you kind of how did you get into real estate? And then I want to ask you, what are the types of real estate projects you find yourself doing today? Is it mainly photos? Is it mainly video? Are you doing some 360 stuff? Walk me through kind of what you do now and how you got into it. Yeah. So, uh, you know, every, just about every instance of my progression of real estate has been what I consider to be by accident. And it's really not accident. It's just network, which is the single most important thing if you own a business. I know tons of people that are talented with cameras, they're talented in editing, graphics, motion graphics, you know, all of this stuff, special effects, set design, making movies, but they lack social talent. And I, when I say social talent, I mean, literally, you see somebody in an elevator and you're talking to them and you get a conversation struck up that, you know, hey, what do you do? Well, I do video production. Oh, my company is needing some training videos. And then you don't take the initiative to connect with them and say, here's a card, or, or you know, you don't do the things because you're socially awkward or you don't have social talent. And so mm-hmm. you end up, you know, letting it slip right by you. And then you look back and think, I never do that. Like I look for opportunity. If my eyes are open and I'm awake, I dream about it sometimes, about meeting people. And, and I'm always looking for that next thing. So that kind of a big, long prelude to this. So because of my network, because of getting to know people, I got a phone call one day from a guy that had some property, or, or had a, uh, uh, I guess was almost family member of his, had a piece of property that he was wanting to sell, and he had this realtor that was wanting some drone work, okay? So this is, this is when, you know, drones have been around for quite a few years, but this, in our area, nobody had really done drone stuff. This has been a few years ago, and so he called me, and I was like, yeah, sure, I can shoot a real estate video. Never seen one in my life. Had no idea what went into shooting a real estate video, but of course my answer was yes. So I get my drone out, start flying, getting a little practice with it, and at this point, um, I, had, I guess I had just got my license, or it was before I had got my license, before they, before they changed all the rules, actually, to where you had to have it and all this big mess. So. So I, I get it out and I practice flying around my house with it. I'm like, yeah, I can do this. And at the time I'd already purchased a, a, a gimbal, which was a crane, the original crane years ago. And uh, so I take my drone and take my gimbal and I go shoot this real estate video. And, and when I get done shooting the drone stuff, the realtor's like, um, he's like, or aren't you gonna use your drone to the inside? I said, because I was putting it away. And I said, no, I'm gonna use my camera and my gimbal. He's like, oh, okay. Well, the last guy just carried his drone around the house. I was like. Well, no, that's why I have a camera. So went inside, <laughs> shot that, and when I when I got done, he was like, yes, this is what I've been looking for. You know, he works in St. Louis quite a bit, which is a, about two hours north of us. In our area, we just don't have anybody that really does what I do now, um, what it's grown into be. Um, but I did that, and then, you know, he was like, he loved it. So he's like, I want to do another one. So we did another one. And he wanted to do another one, so we did another one. And, and that just kind of snowballed in, you know, and so that's why I say I kind of fell into it accidentally because, you know, he, you know, this realtor gets a hold of this, you know, this landowner gets a hold of a realtor, and then this landowner knows somebody that knows me, and you know, kind of all that connection was made, and I just kind of went on a whim and went and shot this video, and it turned out pretty good, and so, we, you know, we left that and shot a few more, and then other people started noticing, like, oh, hey, this guy's doing real estate videos, nobody's done real estate videos in, in Cape Girardeau, so um, other people started becoming interested in it. So, you fast forward, you know, I would say about a year, I've done. I couldn't tell you how many, you know, real estate videos I did in that first year, probably 20 or 30, I would say. And, uh, 
and started getting more and more, working with more people, doing videos for agencies and spotlight videos and all these different things for real estate. Got a, got a really good reputation built up. And, you know, that goes back to the network thing is, is getting relationships built. And so got all those, you know, all those relationships kept coming and we started doing more video, more video. And I get a phone call from a buddy of mine says, hey, I got this guy down south of here that wants to do some drone video of his house he's trying to sell. Like, what, what do you mean, drone video? And he's like, well, I don't know, just call him. So, so I called the guy and he said, yeah, I just want some drone video of my house. I'm like, well, can you explain a little bit more? You know, I do full-blown real estate videos. Oh, yeah, whatever you do, just, just bring, bring the stuff. I want you to do it because he had <laughs> evidently seen my stuff. But, you know, nobody, you know, just pe- people don't know. Normal people don't know what we do, what, what gear we have. So I go down there, uh, or, or actually we was on the phone, and he said, well, do you, can you do, can you take pictures too? And I said, well, yeah, I can, I can take pictures. Just, you know, I'd never shot a real estate photo in my, in my life. And, uh, and you know, the, now keep in mind, this is fast forward a couple years. This has only been, I don't know, four or five months ago, we did these photos. And so I, I called a buddy of mine in Wisconsin that does real estate. And uh, I said, hey, look, you know, I, I need to know what to do. So he actually made me just a quick little cell phone video showing me what he did with his camera and how he set it up. And um, I was like, here we go. So I studied up on some photos that I found online that I thought were really good. And other people that I know shoot real estate in other areas of the country and started looking at their work and went and shot this house. And so I got that house done on a Thursday or Friday, got the pictures done, got them processed and got them uploaded to Facebook. I delivered them to the client and, you know, the video and all that, which of course we've been doing video, keep in mind for a couple of years already. So that was just a quick turnaround. So I get the photos done and deliver them to the client and they fall in love to the point where they almost don't want to sell their house now because they fell in love with their house again. And <laughs> so we did that and Sunday morning, I posted those photos about, I don't know, I took like, I, we probably had like 30 or 35 photos of that shoot. And I posted about my favorite 15, 18 or 20 or so on Sunday morning at eight o'clock. And I, I don't think I'll ever forget this. By 8.05, I got four text messages from realtors and two phone calls within the first five <laughs> minutes. And everybody was like, when did you start doing real estate photography? I'm like, uh, two days ago. Why <laughs> haven't you been doing this all the, all, the, all the while? We've been looking for this kind of quality forever. You know, we, there's just, nobody takes photos like this right here. And we see them all the, all the time in these other places and in the magazines and things like that. We want this, how much is it? We'll pay. And so that quickly skyrocketed um, at an extremely rapid pace to the point to where now I'm behind on edits and, you know, and I haven't even chased a video client in months because I've been too busy doing real estate. And so, so I started kind of looking at trends and what other things we could do to grow the business. So I guess about a month and a half ago, we bought a 3D mapping system or 3D tour system and started offering 3D tours and you know then that you know that accelerated us into other clients and when they saw that then they were like yep we got to have you you do video too so now we're doing real estate photography real estate videos and 3D tours and those <laughs> 3D tours come with floor plans and specs of the house like it's 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 something that I could talk about just on that subject the 3D subject for probably an hour um, it's a really neat system it really delivers a really cool product and it's nothing unusual for for people in other areas, you know, in the big cities, you know, they've had Matterports and they've had these other three 360 cameras for years. And 
they've been doing real estate that way. But but in my area, um, you know, we have kind of set the bar for what things should look like and how things should be done. And you know, adding this 360 thing just made sense, um, or the 3D tour just made sense to put us into a different class altogether. And uh, you know, I, I can't wait till I can sit down for a few days and market what we do because I think we, we're going to do really well with it. Um, you know, it's a volume game, so you don't make much money per shoot. And that was one thing I, you know, I had to wrap my mind around where video projects, I'm charging, you know, maybe a couple thousand dollars to start. Um, you know, real estate videos, we're talking hundreds of dollars. You know, photos are hardly anything. But it's a volume thing because they're really quick turnarounds. This, you know, like we, what you talked about, this turn and burn project. Um, you know, we we do. I think last Thursday I shot five different houses for photos, and one of those five had a three uh, a video as well. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, we shot from eight o'clock that morning till six thirty. Never stopped for lunch, and only only break we had was driving from site to site to shoot another one. So. Um, you know, it's been good. We had a, a crazy full day today um, because of everything, you know, we've, we've been able to offer clients. And, you know, we've actually seen, I, I've heard from two different realtors say, I actually had a homeowner tell me that they chose the realtor they did because of the photos we had done on a previous house. Um, you know, a lot of the houses that we've shot photos of has sold within five days um, or less. Some of them went under contract two, three days. And, you know, houses that have been hard to move we went back and redone photos that you know photos had already been done we went and done photos again um you know they were done by someone else and that all of a sudden the house goes under contract and that everybody's same response you know we saw the photos and fell in love with it and we had to come see it so um, i think it's because we we take photos you know we compose them in a way that really shows you the continuity of the house they're nice bright vibrant images that really show details of the house. You know, they're really high quality. We really take care to get all our angles right and get our lines right and make them look good. And, and it, it does truly make a difference. You know, to a lot of people, it just looks like another house photo. But, you know, to us, we really take it serious and we try to do it the right way, um, which is something that's not done in this area. So we've kind of set the bar. Man, that's awesome. I So in regards to your real estate photography, I follow some of the same techniques you follow and uh, do some of the same things you do. But I do mine, I don't really do so much real estate photography, but I do mine for um, architectural photography for magazines and things like that. Right. Uh, very similar style. But for mine, we have to have um, set designer come in and set up props and adjust things and make sure that everything's perfect, the shades are perfect, there's no dust, the cups are literally inches apart from each other. When you do your real estate photography, do you try to be that detailed like you, I would do for um, an architectural shoot or are you just going in and shooting the house as is? Um, it's, prob it's not as detailed as an architectural shoot would be, but you know, if, if I walk in and I sit up and I know I want to be this angle for the living room, you know, for example, but there's a lamp that kind of is intruding on my shot on one side of the frame where, I, you know, we don't care about seeing that lamp being kind of loud and proud in the side of the frame. You know, I'll take the lamp and I'll set it down on the floor and get it out of the shot. And just little subtle things, you know, straightening, you know, if there's if one thing that I've found that I really like is pulling rugs up off the floor. You know, a lot of people have a rug in their kitchen or a rug in their living room. I'll, I'll pull them up because it makes the room look bigger unless they're trying to cover something up or 
something like that. You know, if there's if there's no reason for it to be in the floor besides just aesthetics, I'll pull it up um, because it makes the room look bigger. And and that's what we're truly trying to do. We're trying to make the room look bigger. But you know, if you go into a kid's room and they've got you know like some scrap paper on a desk, you know, we'll take the scrap paper off. We'll straighten their desk up, make it look nice and neat. You know, too many stuffed animals on the bed. We'll remove half of them, or maybe all of them, and leave just one, and and do little things like that that people just can't believe. You know, like garden hose laying out on the patio. You know, that garden hose doesn't need to be cooled up on the patio; it needs to be put away. You know, so we try to mm-hmm. we try to treat it as it were our house, and we're trying to sell our house, and we want people to be impressed when they show up. We want things nice and tidy and neat. Now, my house doesn't look like that right now, but I'm not selling it right now either. And I've got a two-year-old that keeps it, you know, from looking that way. Um, <laughs> but, you know, probably probably not quite what you do, the architectural stuff. Um, well, I know for sure it's not because we've, we've discussed that and I've seen a lot of architectural photography and, you know, we don't go through those links, but, but I'm definitely, the house is going to be picked up. We're going to stage some flowers here, you know, Maybe a little vase here, a little, you know, some sort of little decoration here. Maybe hang a picture on the wall if, if it kind of a bare wall. We'll do little things like that. And some of the realtors that I work with, you know, they might even bring some stuff. They get a stash of stuff they keep on hand just for staging a home, you know. So if, if you know, it needs a little something to, to, you know, more or less set design or stage it, then, you know, we'll, we will do that. And that's something different, you know. So whereas normal photographers, around here at least, they'll spend 15 minutes on a 3,000 square foot house. We're gonna spend an hour and a half there for sure. Um, and and I consider the workflow we have to be very efficient, but I don't want, I'm, I'm not releasing the shutter without knowing that when I sit down and look at that and post that I'm not gonna think, ah, oh, I wish I would've moved that. I never wanna have that regret. Absolutely, and, and you said about an hour and a half. How many photos do you think on average, if you were to guess that you deliver in that hour and a half shoot? So if it is, the kind of the best way to, to break it down would be if I'm somewhere around 2,000 foot, we might deliver as little as 12 to 14 photos. Um, usually, you know, we have like in a house that size, two of the living room, two of the kitchen typically, one of the dining room, one of each bedroom times three. So now we're up to eight, seven or eight, nine, something like that. Two bathrooms, 10, 11 couple outside, 12, 13, you know, so, so we're gonna be somewhere in that. And then as the square footage goes up, you know, if it's 3,000 square foot with a basement, you know, we might be at 20, 22 photos. And just to, as the bigger the house gets, the more photos we end up with. But I think probably one of the biggest houses I've done photos of, um, probably my final delivered was like 36. Um, but it was full finished basement, very large on the main floor. So, you know, we ended up, it just took that many photos to cover it. You know, I don't, I don't shoot six different pictures of the kitchen. You know, like a lot, a lot of times you see that. If I can tell the story of that kitchen in two photos, then that's what I do. If I could tell the story of the living room in two photos, that's what I do. And I try to always use angles to look into another room. That way people, yeah. when they're flipping through them, they get continuity. So, and when mm-hmm. I shoot my real estate videos, I, I shoot, I might have two to three drone clips to open the video, one single shot through the entire house most every time, depending on how big it is. If it gets up, you know, over 4,500 square foot, I might have to break those shots up depending on how the house flows. But 
typically I'm going to push record on my camera, sitting on my Ronin. I'm going to go in the front door and I'm going to walk the entire house and shoot it all in one shot. And, and I've done enough of them now, I could typically just do it in, in one take and I'm done. And that's kind of this, you know, I took carry that same mentality over to photos where I just want to walk through the house one time and I want to shoot photos to show continuity between the living room and the kitchen, or the kitchen to the dining room, the dining room back to the living room, you know, and show how that house ties together, much like I do with video and showing how it ties together. So it, it really, you know, it just depends on what it is. And, you know, we shoot, you know, these cameras these days, you can shoot one photo and get several out of it. And, and I'm always kind of the rule of thumb, if I want a punched in shot of the kitchen because it's got a cool, you know, gas burning um, stove top, like, you know, some of these nicer um, gas, gas stoves, you know, I can take that kitchen shot that the, you know, stoves in the center frame and I can just crop that in and be, you know, just a shot of the, you know, the stove and what's just immediately surrounding it. So, um, you know, I really don't have to go in and take a ton of photos. Then I don't have to take a ton of time processing photos and then I'm done, you know, and I, and I on average deliver probably five to eight less photos per house than some other people but I deliver everything is really, really good. Um, you know, because we take the time to get everything right, the lines and, and the light and the exposure and things like that. So we're, we're giving a much better product, so we're delivering less and it's taking us less time on the backside. So it's taking us more time, you know, on the day of the shoot, but, um, you know, post-production is, is much, you know, much more efficient that way. And how long, like, what do you think your turnaround time is on average for a typical house? Most of the time, if I shoot, um, sometimes the way, since I shoot one shot on video, so I'll have a few, few drone shots in the front, few drone shots in the end to bookend it, and then I'll have one shot that makes up the bulk of the video. I can typically cut one of those videos in about 45 minutes. Um, and maybe an hour, depending on if it's a real estate agent I've worked with and I've already pre-built their ending banner um, where I just need to swap out an address or you know things like that, I could typically post-produce one in, in an hour or less. Um, for a new agent, it might take me a couple hours because I might you know throw some things in After Effects and design them an ending banner with things fly in and make it look nice and pretty, but, um, but that's about it. And on the photo side, I typically can shoot one day, deliver the next morning. So it's just, uh, awesome. it's just a lot of work. You know, it, it, it takes, <laughs> it takes a lot of dedication and, and, you know, it, my wife helps me quite a bit with stuff and, you know, just the business side of things is, is a lot to keep up with. Um, let alone the actual production of work. So, you know, I try to recruit her to help me as much as I can, much like you've done. I at least, I don't get my wife to the extent that you get your wife's help, but because uh, my wife works uh, kind of crazy hours, but um, it, it's been it's been a good flow. You know, we, we've done a I, I, what I feel like is a pretty good job for as crazy a, as it's been. It's what blows my mind is how vastly different the type of projects we each do are. So like you can, you can go in a place. I mean, like how many, how many projects? Let me just ask you this. How many projects do you think you could do in a day typically? On real estate? Yes. Um, I have done 
video, two real estate videos and four sets of photos in a day and had it all done by the next <clears throat> afternoon and delivered. So Yeah, that's, that's so crazy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, because coming from the background of you know, plan, you know, do go pre-production meetings with clients and and other people we collaborate with, to you know, multiple shoot days and set location moves and all this, you know, but that's why those projects cost thousands of dollars. You know, these things, I it, it's it's almost like factory work, which makes it sound kind of harsh, but but it kind of is. I, I've I've done so much. You know, even the photos now, I. Like I have completely lost count. I knew a couple months ago how many real estate photo shoots I'd done. I have no idea now. Like I'd have to go back and look at everything to even have a ballpark. Um, you know, and same with video. We, you know, we've done so much video over the past few years. Um, once in a while, I'll look back through you know old hard drives or my Google Drive a lot, which I've had to clean out a lot lately because I'm putting so much in it. But um, but it, it's it's really it's hard to answer that question because every Every house is so different, you know. We in one one given day we might shoot an eighteen hundred square foot house that has no basement, or sixteen or twelve hundred. You know, we shot two the other day that were twelve hundred square foot a piece, just as little bitty brand new construction houses that took like ten minutes to shoot. Um, and then that same day, we shot and did a three D tour on a six thousand square foot mansion. You know, so it's it really just depends on what it is. the The nice thing about video is yeah, the bigger the house, the longer it takes, but doing it in one shot, what that's allowed me to do is establish my drone shots outside in the front and the end to kind of book in the video. And then I literally just push in the front door and I just fly the Ronin through the house. And when I sit down and post, and I'm, and, I'm, and as, as much as it pains me to say this, I started shooting auto white balance and I have had great, great success with that. Um, I'm still shooting full manual mode, but I'm shooting auto white balance. So when I sit down and I drop my drone clips in, drop my one shot in for the house, drop my drone clips in the back, get my music picked out, and then I start speed ramping that center clip, you know, what would be in the center of your timeline would be the bulk of the video of the house. Then I'll just go through and I've got to where I could just, you know, click the space bar and let that play through and set keyframes all the way through that entire clip and then I go back and drag up my you know my my keyframes and get them to the speed that I need to match the match not only the house and the 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 movement from one room to the next but also try to time it with the music which you know some sometimes you just get lucky and you pick the right song but um, you know sometimes I have to pick a different song because it doesn't really work but that is that has been probably one of the things that's increased my workflow so much is is just shooting that in one shot and speed ramping the entire thing. And so my first pass on my edit is getting those drone clips dropped in, drop in that main clip, and then I'll click click play and let it play through and I'll set keyframes all the way through to the end of the clip. Then I'll go back to the start and I'll pull up you know my keyframes everywhere it needs to be fast. And then I'll start getting a song laid out and then I'll fine tune it to that song. And so all of that process sounds like a lot, but I've got it down to where now that process by itself, just to do the basic cut of it, is 10 to 15 minutes. And that's getting the project started and getting it cut to a rough. So if I had to send it to my voiceover guy, I could send him a rough with no color. And then while he's working on the voiceover, then I can sit there and color and 
get my graphics added in the end. Then by the time he gets the voiceover done, I'm done with my part. Two hours later, we've got a video. So it's that has been instrumental in learning, you know, some shortcut keys, but more than anything, just how to be efficient in post. And it's the name of the game with real estate because everybody wants everything yesterday. So you've got to be fast. And, you know, if it, that's the first question I get, you know, if I do this, when am I going to have it? And my answer every time is tomorrow because one way or the other, it's going to get done by tomorrow. So, cause I know they need it and I want them to be successful in their, you know, their endeavors as a real estate agent. If they're not successful, I'm not successful. So I do everything I can to make sure they get the products they need to sell a house. And, you know, I even send out a, a tip sheet that they then send to the client or their client, which would be the homeowner. Here's how you get your house ready to, for a real estate shoot for Wild Story Productions to come in and do this. And uh, so typically if, if they are homeowners that have got that in their hands, they look through that and they start to imagine the things I'm gonna look for when I get there. And then when I get there, I might flip their house upside down, move this, move that, we need to put this here, we need to take this out, this doesn't need to be in the house period, put this in the garage. We do that first walkthrough and then I can go through and shoot it and I can feel good about what we've done to help the homeowner and the agent both get that house on the market and sold in a, you know, a, in, in a very timely manner. That's, that's the end goal is, is to sell a house. So that's what we're in the business of doing. Yeah, it's crazy how different like what you do and then what I do is. Cause like for me, I, I kind of have boxed myself in. I, there are days where I wish I, I'd kill to be able to do what you're doing because <laughs> with my business plan and the types of projects we do, um, we aren't in a uh, in an industry where we can do work in volume like that. I'd probably do an eighth of the projects you do in a year, I bet. Uh, right. Maybe less than that. Because we're having, like I'm, I'm doing, I'm shooting a music video this weekend. And so we've had several initial meetings. We had to go in and location scout, pick the place we're shooting it at. We had to do several walkthroughs of the place, work with the um, the producer to kind of figure out how we're going to lay all the shots out. Then we had to, uh, we had to have a costume, get costumes for the actors and find the actors. And we also have to go in and have um, all the equipment figured out. We have to rent lights, big production lights, all this stuff. Saturday when we show up, we're having a ton of people there and we're spending the whole day Saturday just going through and doing practice shots and all that to figure it out. And then Sunday, we've got like a 12-hour production day where we're just constantly moving, barely have time to eat. And then after that, we have to go straight into rough cutting the thing, which will take a couple of days in of itself before we can send it off to have the green screen work done and to have all the other types of things done like the graphics and we're going to have a colorist color it and a sound guy do all the sounds sound work on it and so like that's the type of work i've been doing a lot of lately which is so i mean it, yeah it, it pays a lot more but it's so much freaking work <laughs> yeah. and by the time it's done you're like gosh man i wish i could be like you and just go in and and just do projects like that and just go in and, and, and know exactly what every project's going to be like, have a feel for it. Because I, I have like my own workflow, but it changes on every single project. And you're, man, you're just going in and knocking them out. And I just, man, I think that's awesome. And there are days I love what I do because um, I do a wide variety of things, but there are also a lot of times where I, I very much envy you. Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I do miss the days of, you know, meeting with clients and crafting stories and, and things like that. But then the amount of volume of real estate we're, we're able to do, and, you know, we're, we're not where I want to be yet, for sure, but I'm rapidly headed that direction. And oh, yeah. I've really enjoyed not chasing anybody. And that's, that's been the biggest thing. You know, of course, a lot of that comes with, you know, the, the network that I built over the years. And when people, people are, especially on social media, you know, people are, hey, you know, I'm looking for somebody to do this or that, you know, I'll get tagged in it. And I quit doing weddings quite a while ago, but, you know, I get that a lot. You know, every time somebody's looking for a wedding videographer, it's like, oh, you know, James Watt, he did so-and-so's. And, so, you know, like, nope, not doing those anymore. Matter of fact, <laughs> I pulled all of that information off the internet. Um, because I'm just not doing it anymore. And, uh, you know, it's, it's funny how your reputation kind of precedes you sometimes, but I've, I've been tagged out how many posts where people are looking for a real estate or not real estate, but a wedding photographer. I have never taken a wedding photo in my life and I never will. Um, <laughs> but I get tagged in that all the time. And it was like, I, I've never done real wedding photos. Well, yeah, you have. No, I haven't. But it's perception, right? And you know, everybody, right. everybody kind of has this preconceived notion of what you are or what you do, and it's great that you know we've been able to kind of build our brand into what it is and and create a successful business based on that branding and marketing and networking we've done over the years. It's you know we're really seeing the fruits of our labor now um, after this you know just grind for forever and that's going to change it's it's never going to stop i mean this will you know this could very well you know run its course and we may be looking for something different in two years i i don't know but i think that you know real estate's a revolving door and as long as the market is pretty good i think um i think uh workflow as a wedding photographer and videographer and you know somebody offers three to you and all that uh, um you know, I think it's got some longevity, and that's pretty comforting to know when for sure every Tom, Dick, and Harry is you know got a cell phone and shooting video and putting it and going viral. You know, it's like, man, we put a lot of time into you know a lot of our projects with sound design and trying to get colors right and picking the right music and spending a week on an edit and you know now like I I, I couldn't tell you the last time I spent a week on an edit. You know, I I just. I haven't done it since probably the end of last summer. And <laughs> so it's it's pretty interesting uh, on how much it's, you know, it's really been a good confidence builder and that I'm doing the right thing that, you know, people are calling me now instead of me, you know, hey, does anybody want to do a video? We really would like to do a video. Or now it's <laughs> like, hey, can you come do this tomorrow? Can you come shoot photos this afternoon? Can you come shoot a video three days from now? You know, hey, what's this new 3D tour thing you're doing? I want one of those, you know, and I have people all the time, you know, now I'm getting tagged in those posts, you know, somebody, you know, hey, I've you know, got some property that I'm trying to sell. Oh, well, you need to call James. He knows all about, you know, property. And, you know, it's like, hell, yeah, not really. But, um, you know, I have been doing, you know, I've been around the real estate game for a few years and I've actually learned about the market a lot. And, uh, that's been pretty beneficial and, and I've learned a lot from the realtors that I've worked with. I'm very grateful to them for, you know, the things I've picked up on, you know, just staging properties, you know, getting them look, you know, to look right, um, to get good photos of them. It's been, you know, I'm really grateful for the realtors I have worked with and can't wait to work with more and, and learn more because everybody's kind of got their own deal. 
and how they do things. And it's pretty fascinating how this big melting pot of people kind of, you, you learn a little bit from all of those people. And, and that's, I think, vastly important for somebody that's looking to grow a business is network. And I don't know if I've said network yet while I've done this, but network and network and network is everything. So that- One of the, oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that, I mean, that is entirely what our, you know, my entire business model is wrapped around is, is network with people, so. Absolutely, and you know, so you mentioned chasing down potential clients and that's something pretty much anybody that's in video has done at some point or another, if not the majority of your career. And it's, I think it's great that you don't have to do that because you have got into such a volume game in a business where people are constantly needing your product. People are always, you know, selling houses or buying houses, especially when the market's good. So I think that that is a really great thing, a really great business to be into because of that. But I, one of the things though, like if you're listening to this podcast, you probably have thought to yourselves, because I've met so many people who want to get into uh, real estate photography or real estate video, but they don't have the volume yet because they're new. And so they want to charge five, six, seven hundred dollars for photography or fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars to come do a high-end real estate video. But can you explain to listeners of this podcast why it is that real estate agents don't pay those kind of prices for photography and video? I mean, yeah, you might produce the best photos in the world or the best videos in the world and maybe they want, you know, like what you do. But why is it that they won't pay for that? Can you explain that? Yeah, so what, what the deal is, you think about this, you put the, yourself in their shoes, and I try to think about this and, and what I, how I price things and, and all of that is, if, and Missouri is a dual listing, or a dual agent state, so what that means is your, your house sells, okay, and you pay 6% for commission. 3% goes to the selling agent, 3% goes to the buying agent. Missouri, you can be both. So you could get buy, the buy and sell side, so you can get 6%. If you get 6% of $100,000, you know, do the math. It's not a lot of money. You have normal bills you have to pay out of that. You have your operating costs for selling that house, which means marketing and photos and Facebook ads and whatever else you do, newspaper ads, radio ads, anything you do, all that comes out of that. Your gas to drive back and forth to that listing to show it 15 times. So let's say that house sits on the market for three months and you've spent five or $600 in fuel and photos and all of this. And then all of a sudden your contract's up on that. So they only wanna sign you for three months and three months comes and they say, well, you didn't sell it. We're gonna go with a different agent. Then guess what? You threw all that money away. Cause now for us, it's, it's fine. You know, I hate it for the agent. But it's great because then they see the photos of the property. Legally, they don't get to use those photos that I took. So I'll go take a new set of photos and I'll get paid to do the same thing that I already done. I already know the house. Just go shoot it again. And, you know, so so it's all a money game for them. And, and I hear this all the time where agents are like, man, I really want to do, you know, a video and photos in 3D. I want to do all of that, but that might come up in totality to five, $600, $700, depending on what all they do. And, and, and we're talking about on the upper end of, of the scale. Very rarely do we do all three. But that might, so this house might be a hard sell 
I don't care if it's a million dollars, two million. You know, we shot one the other day, it was 1.8. But that house will probably sit on the market for a long time for sale because it's a very unique property. It's a very amazing property, but it's very unique and it's gonna take somebody that one, has a lot of money, and two, wants that same exact style of house. And the commission on 1.8 million is very strong, but if they go dump, you know, well, let's say even a thousand dollars in in marketing of that house or two thousand, you know, by the time they do advertising and all that, and then they lose that listing in six months because it didn't sell and their contract's up and they don't re-sign that agent, then guess what? They just threw that thousand or two thousand dollars away. So that's that's one reason real estate media pricing or content pricing is the way it is, because it, they're taking a chance every time. Now you might go in and they might say, oh, this is gonna be a quick sell. You know, here's a couple hundred bucks, do this. I'm really doing this for my brand and then it sells five days later. You know, I mean, those things happen and happen quite often. But there are listings, you know, we shot one today, 580 something thousand dollar house that's in a neighborhood that's surrounded by 800,000 million, million and a half dollar homes it's almost priced too low. And so people were like, oh, I don't know, price pretty low, what's wrong with it? Well, nothing's wrong with it. That's just what they need to get out of the house to sell it, right? And you know, it's just been a tough sell and you know, agents are always, you know, or a lot of agents are typically scared that they're gonna lose that listing. So they don't wanna dump a lot of money into marketing it. They wanna kind of do bare minimum because that cuts into their, their profit margin. You know, just like, you know, for us, Buying a new piece of equipment cuts into our profit margin. And, but it's sometimes a necessary evil that we've got to spend that money to get new gear, just like they've got to spend money to get good quality content to promote that listing. So that's kind of a long answer, but there's, you know, there's a lot of factors to it. No, that's a perfect answer because that's, that's, that's kind of where I wanted to go with this. So years ago, when I first started wanting to get into some real estate work, I... Was a lot. So I, I had some people call me and they're like, hey, how much for real estate photography? And I'm like, oh, 750 bucks. Never heard from him again. Right. Um, I had someone was like, hey, I want you to come do some drone work, maybe some gimbal work, do a, a real estate video for this house. How much? And I'd be like, ah, $1,500 or $1,200 or whatever it was I said. Because I was quoting prices that I was used to, you know, quoting for other types of projects and I was getting nowhere. And then several, like four or five years ago, I started to understand why that was and why I just thought, you know, real estate agents were cheap, <laughs> but come to find out that wasn't the case. They weren't making near as much as I thought they were. Right. And like you said, they're taking a risk. And so as I started to understand that it really low, it, it changed my expectation and allowed me to realize that real estate isn't a game of, okay, I'm just going to get in with a couple of agents and do five, six, seven videos a month. It is absolutely a volume game, like you said, and you just have to adjust your prices accordingly and understand that you can't go out there expecting to make, I mean, you can go do good work, but you can't go out expecting to make, uh, you know, <laughs> Game of Thrones looking video and spend a week on it because that's not what your client needs and that's, you're never going to be able to go anywhere or make a living doing that. You got to go in do the project, get it done, turn it out the next day or, or two days later and adjust your prices accordingly. And I think that the reason, the whole reason I bring that up is I, I want people that listen to this podcast who are maybe interested in doing some real estate work to understand 
going into it that it is absolutely a volume game and not a game where you can go in and charge what you would charge to do a web video or a commercial. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I have taken a few different people trying to get other people started doing this uh, to help me because, you know, I'm trying to scale that side of the business as well as the video side. And they literally just don't keep up. Like they physically cannot do it because when I go, like when I start start my day, like I go, I might not eat lunch. I might not even slow down. I might not even think about anything else. You know, I'm, I, I've, you know, when you're dealing with all these different agents, you know, I've got phone calls, text messages, text messages, emails, Facebook messages. You got to call me to tell me that you crashed I, your drone again. I, I, well, I've never, I haven't crashed this drone. You call me <laughs> to tell me you crashed yours, but that's true. <laughs> um, but I might, I might call you because I've had trouble with mine. Um, <laughs> but you know, there's always something going on and I'm, you know, so I'm constantly on the phone I'm walking around my AirPods in while I'm shooting, talking to somebody about the next shoot. And, you know, because I, I do understand it's a volume game and I do understand that they're on a time crunch. You know, everybody, mm. uh, you know, I shot two last week that I was like, Hey, I can't get till, till next week. And they're like, no, you've got to get me in this week. You have to get this done. And I'm like, I really can. I'm full. Well, you've got to get some more help. So, you know, I try to get, I've, I've tried and tried and tried to get more help and I just always fail to do it. Now I've got a, I've got a guy now that, that is, is really sharp, very hungry and uh, wants to make some money and wants to do it in the content creation world, which, you know, he's going to be helping me with, you know, video and storyboards and script writing and things like that and shooting video and possibly some editing down the road. But, you know, right now we're working off this volume and, and, you know, we're steady cranking out real estate projects and it's been pretty good, you know, and, I, and I've only got just a small, small, small piece of the market right now. Um, I think we're going to gain more of the market once I can get in front of more people. But, you know, I've been so busy, I haven't been able to, to sit down and think about how to advertise or market my services um, besides just meeting people, you know, at chamber meetings or you know, different networking events that we try to go to or just in our office building, there's a bunch of startup companies and different people that know a lot of people and the owners know a lot of people, you know, so they're, you know, they help me out, you know, the office, the office I'm part of is a co-working space and they share some of my stuff once in a while. We've done some projects for them and, you know, I mean, so, so it's all network. I don't know if I mentioned network at all, but here we go again. <laughs> it's, it's everything. I mean, that's, that's been the core of my business success has been because of networking with other people. Oh, mine too, for sure. So, and I, and I think it's what, you know, a lot of people, and I see this a lot, like, um, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm really good at this. Uh, You know, well, yeah, that's all fine and dandy. Can you put that into business practice? And the answer a lot of times is no, because they don't know how to approach people. They don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to keep their doors open to people. And, you know, so they shut a lot of people out because of that. Yeah, or they have unrealistic expectations. Or they have extremely unrealistic expectations because none of this is easy. No. Well, let me ask you this real quick. What uh, Can you tell people what equipment you use? I will, yeah. So um, as crazy as it sounds with all these new full-frame cameras getting so cheap, um, I'm actually shooting my photos and video on uh, a6300. Um, on a 10 to 16. So I'd use that for photo and video both. Um, you got a couple of those, right? I do have a couple of those. And um, I've got the you know 10 to 16 Sony lens, F4. 
Um, I've got a Ronin M that I bought from a buddy and um, been using it for a couple years now. Um, if I do, if I do, a lot of times I like to have the agent in the video. So, you know, I've got a couple sets of Sennheiser wireless mics. I've got a Zoom H6 that I use to record audio. Um, and that's kind of the basis of my kit. I've got a Phantom 4 Pro that actually used to belong to Josh Milligan a long time ago, but it's been rebuilt completely since then. <laughs> um, not because I crashed it, because it just started acting weird. So Because I crashed it before I sold it to you. Right, because Josh cracked, crashed it and told me he didn't. <laughs> Carfax didn't show it. So, um, but, I, but I've got the Phantom 4 Pro, which I love. Um, and I did actually buy directly from you the... Uh, the built-in remote monitor, which I love. Um, so that's kind of my gear set when I go do real estate. Um, for a long time, people were always like, oh, you take sliders with you, and they would you know, tri tripod, pan and tilt, head, and use a slider, and do all, and now it's with gimbals and the amount of, of flexibility you have with them, it, like it's just hard to beat that. So, um, you know, I'm going to cut you off and ask you this one question. When it comes to gimbals, do you like running a two-handed Ronin N, or do you ever see yourself switching to um, like a more of a single-handed, or I guess you can still use two-handed, but like a, a Ronin S type gimbal? So when I had my crane, one of the first things I did after I bought it was bought a dual-handle grip for it because I could not stand the single stem. Um, when that crane broke, and uh, I sent it off and got it repaired by the, by the factory at Zentech, or I think is who makes that. Um, and I ended up selling it to somebody with them knowing that I had sent it off. Um, they, they knew it had broke on me and they bought it. Um, and I bought that Ronin M, but I bought that Ronin M right after the crane broke. So when it broke, I was like, I'm not buying another one of these. I'm, I, I'm gonna find a Ronin and, and buy that. And at the time I was thinking the original Ronin, which I could, you know, you could run like an FS on or something like that. But, um, but a buddy of mine was selling a Ronin M, and uh, so I bought it and haven't looked back. I've had literally maybe twice a month I'll have to recalibrate it because um, it gets a little bit out of level. Um, but other than that, I fired up. Battery lasts me for days. Um, I don't have to worry about like, I, Sometimes I just forget it even takes a battery because I charge it so little and get so much tra you know, traffic out of it. Um, but I think for me and shooting real estate, it having that dual handle and having that extra extension, I feel I, I feel like I'm more in control of what I'm doing with it. Um, it's a mistake a lot of people make when using a gimbal that I've noticed in teaching probably seven or eight people to use a gimbal now over the past couple of years is, you know, you're walking down a hallway and you're going to turn and go into a room. You need to kind of start that turn before you actually get there, so it more mimics what your head would do as you're walking through that space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's kind of the whole point of flying through the house. You want to let people feel like they're actually walking through the house um, or running through it. If you speed ramp your shots, you know, that's you'd have to run to go that fast. But, but just learning, you know, having that control and having those wide handles to be able to turn. Now, the disadvantage of that is getting through some tight doorways because you know there's some showers that we, you know, we've done. Uh, especially lately, it seems like we've run into this a lot where they might have a, sh a narrow shower door opening, but the shower itself might be, you know, eight foot by six foot, you know, or something. It's just huge with benches in it and all this fancy stuff. And so I have a little bit of a hard time getting that Ronin M through those doorways. I kind of have to finagle it in there, but, uh, you know, we we're always able to do it. And so, 
you know, the advantage for the single stem would be to be able to get into those tight spaces and, you know, over the road and in, but it, it's a trade-off I'm not willing to have because I like the control that I feel when I'm flying that thing through a house with the dual handle, so. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I bring that up because I'm a two-handed guy myself. I've had the, I almost got the Ronin, but it was the, at the time the M wasn't out, so it was between right. the Ronin original or the Freefly Movi, which is kind of like the original founders of gimbals. And I went with Freefly because the Ronin M weighed like 10 pounds or something like that. It was super heavy. So I, uh, and I didn't ever want to fly one of my FS cameras. So I picked up, I picked up a Freefly Movi and I've ne- like you, I've never looked back. The two-handed gimbal to me is so much easier to work with. It feels more natural and definitely helps when you're like going in and out of rooms and things like that. Um, and if you're working with a crew like this, when we're doing this music video, we're going to have, um, I'm going to be lowering my gimbal this weekend from a stairwell to a shooter on the bottom who's going to grab it by two hands. I'm going to lower it with a rope on a pulley system, and he's going to grab it with two hands gently and continue the shot. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do stuff like that with it. So for like handoffs and stuff, I think it's really cool too. But even just for simple real estate work, it's great because like you said, it's you got more control when you're churning and things like that. I just really like two-handed gimbals better. Well, you know, it's it's allowed me a, on two different occasions. So I've I've actually had the realtor help me with this, where we have actually like there might be a not necessarily a window, but a cutout in a wall. You know, like where you could pass through, like from the dining room to a kitchen, or you know, like in a basement where there might be a you know just a, a kind of a stem wall that's got a little bit of an opening through it or something like that. And we've actually passed that gimbal going from two hands to the single hand grip on top mm-hmm. to be able to pass it through windows and spaces just to just to add something cool to the shot. You know, I'm always looking yeah. for ways to to make a flow through the house more interesting and, you know, try to fly over the top of tables and really make it feel like you're not truly walking through it, but you're just kind of floating through the house and getting to experience mm-hmm. and be immersed in the house. So it's it's pretty neat, which is kind of what led me to getting the 3D system is then you do that under your own speed and your own control and you could kind of pan around and look at the house. So it's, you know, I, it just always, you know, always things trying to try to do things to stay innovative and stay ahead of the curve, which for us in our area, we're behind the curve. If you look at the United States as a whole, but and even other countries, but, um, you know, it's a good problem to have for me because you know, we're, you know, I'm very, I try to be very forward thinking the way I do things. And, and I truly care about what my customers end result is, you know, I'm, I'm always watching the videos we do when they post them. I'm always looking to see how many views they got and what kind of performance they're getting, what kind of comments they're getting and things like that. Because, you know, I want to see, I don't want to just go shoot for the sake of shooting and making money. I want to see people successful. And I love hearing success stories or, you know, based off the things we've done. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's that's awesome. And I, I have to ask you as we start to close this podcast out. So do you, speaking of forward thinking, do you have any uh, equipment that you want to upgrade to or, or pick up? I know you mentioned to me at some point um, you were thinking about maybe maybe picking up an a7 III or two. Um, what are what are you looking forward to? Are you And you also have an FS700 too, don't you? I do, yeah. Yeah. What what kind of uh, what kind of gear are you looking to get moving forward? So, probably my next purchase. You know, I just bought this three D system, um, so I'm not going to buy anything for a little while. But probably by the end of summer, uh, I really like to get the A7 III, um, just to get rid of the crop 
when I want to. Um, yeah. And, you know, just it, it's just a little bit better focus, a little bit better um, low light performance, or actually a lot better low light performance. Not that the 6300 struggles, because it, it really does pretty well in, in the, you know, shooting everything in S-Log 2 and got all my settings dialed in to where I could squeeze a little bit more out of that camera. And, and so probably the a7 III is gonna be my next purchase, you know, for a big camera. It just really depends on where the video side of things go. That FS700, I've got an Odyssey on it for convergent design. It's a crazy, incredible external recorder, shoots high frame rate stuff. Um, it's a, quite a cumbersome rig to use, which is why I only get it out for special things. But um, we are going to get it out for a project where a commercial we're fixing to start shooting, hopefully in the next couple of weeks. Um, I'll get it out for some really awesome slow-mo stuff that we're needing to get for this commercial um, that we storyboarded. Um, but that that would probably really be about it. I need some basic things, another set of tripod and, and a pan and tilt head for real estate and you know, there's always something, right? But um, <laughs> always something. But that's that's really about it. And, and I think so many people get so hung up in in what they do. You know, all these I see people arguing about cameras all the time. These real estate groups, and mm -hmm. it's like they. Like, I've had people tell me I'm crazy, and and I've had a couple, a couple people tell me I'm lying about you know my photos. You know, I say yeah, I've been doing it for a couple months, and I'm shooting on an A6300, and they like yeah, okay, whatever. I'm like no, really, that's <laughs> I've been doing it for. Two months and I'm doing. shooting them on A6300. I promise. I'll show. <laughs> I can send you the metadata. It's there. Um, but it's it's all about squeezing everything you can out of the equipment you have. And and I feel like I finally have squeezed the A6300 till it's almost dry. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I've I've pushed that little camera to its max, but it's never let me down. I mean, I, I've had one of them for several years now, and the other one for a couple years, and I just, like I, I never have any trouble with those cameras besides overheating once in a while, um, you know, which we're getting into the heat of, you know, summertime's coming and some may struggle with that some, but, um, you know, hopefully, hopefully everything we shoot's got air conditioning. Sometimes it doesn't, but <laughs> hopefully everything does and we'll be okay. But, you know, I really yeah, have no complaints. A, that's just a mirrorless thing though. My seven three overheats all the time too. So yep. it's yep. just part of it. Well, man, I, I I appreciate everything. I I guess my last my last question for you is, what piece of advice if you could give just one piece of advice to someone who's interested in getting real estate work, what would it be? Network. Network. There That's you guys it. have it. You listen to the podcast for that one word. <laughs> I said network a bunch of times because I talk about network constantly, and and it's truly it really is important, and and it's you know. And, and I'll, I will do my best if anybody has any questions, shoot me a PM. A lot of you, you know, there's a lot of people probably listen to this that, that I have talked to, but um, you know, I, I don't care to help answer questions or, or try to help people get started. Is that, I think it's, you know, for, for people, especially in the hunting industry, I know Jason Miller, um, he's doing real estate photography now and some real estate videos. And I mean, this guy's been doing TV production for 20 plus years, you know, 25 years. And now is, is doing real estate photography and videos, just you know, trying to do something to pick up the off season. So it's a, it is a good way, you know, depending on your market. You know, if you live in a big city and it's saturated with real estate photographers, there's probably some good ones and there's probably not much room for anybody there. But 
you know, there, there are a lot of markets and a few people I've talked to that I think there's probably an open door in that market for them to get into it. So. Well, that's awesome, man. That's great advice. I, uh, I wanted to ask you, where can people find you online to check out your real estate work? Um, well, when I have time, I have a, a Facebook group called Wild Story Real Estate Tours. It's only got about, I don't know, 60, 70 members in it right now. A lot of, it, a lot of those are, are local um, real estate agents just so they can kind of see what's going on, what listings may be out there that they maybe missed on the MLS, things like that. I do have a Facebook page for my business, which I need to do more on because um, I've, I've been slacking off on really all my social media, but it's just Wild Story Productions. And I do have an Instagram page that I'm trying to put at least a couple times a week. I try to put a photo of, uh, you know, one of my favorite photos from a, from a house that I've done. Um, and I, it's under Wild Story Productions too. I couldn't tell you the exact handle, but it's not hard to find. So. Um, but I do spend a lot of time on Facebook. That's where I get a lot of my business from. And so I'm, I'm on there. I'm on messenger quite a bit. So some easy ways to reach me. Awesome. And you are in the filming with Josh Facebook group. So, um, if anybody has any real estate questions, you can also post them there too. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to, to see, you know, get some more people involved in, in that and help answer questions. And, you know, I know there's, there's a couple people in there that, that do shoot real estate that I talk to on a regular basis. So. Well, that's awesome, man. This has been an outstanding podcast, your wealth of information, and I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and and to join me tonight. Yeah, not a problem at all. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, likewise. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking uh, together soon. I've got a big shoot coming up this weekend, but I'll have to call you and let you know um, how my drone repair goes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'll be excited to get that back finally. Might feel Um, like a new one. It, hopefully it will. Otherwise, I'm going to come up to Missouri and take back the one I sold you. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would um, go on to iTunes and rate it. And if you have anything you like or don't like about the podcast, please let me know so I can know how to continue to improve it. And if there's anybody that you would uh, or any topics that you would like to hear or anybody you'd like to hear from, please let me know that as well. Um, If you have any further questions, uh, feel free to join the Filming with Josh Facebook group and post them there, or reach out to me or James, either one, um, and we'd both be happy to help you. I appreciate you taking the time to listen to my podcast, and I look forward to talking to you guys next time. See ya! To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today. Mm